Welcome to the Progress Your Health podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Everyone, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progress Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Well, we are back. Uh, it has been a little bit of a hiatus. Uh, we had a, a really uh, fairly amazing summer, right? Uh, you know, summer is always a fun time. Uh, so we took a little bit of time off from the podcast, but now, uh, you know, now the weather's changed a little bit. We're into fall. Uh, perfect time to kind of get back into the podcasting uh, you know, reg, uh, routine. Definitely ready to hit the ground running, although fall is really beautiful here with the leaves changing. So, um, yeah, it's good, but I'm definitely ready to get back into the podcasting seat. Uh, for some reason, when the you know when it was really nice out and the sun was shining every day, it was really difficult to you know to come and sit down and do a podcast. You know, it was really challenging, but uh, nonetheless, we kind of decided that ahead of time that we were going to do that anyways. Um, but um, you know, now. Uh, uh, now we have lots of questions that uh, people have reached out to, uh, reach reach out to us with. Uh, so we have just a tremendous. <laughs> uh, in some ways, we probably shouldn't have taken that time off because <laughs> now we have so much work to do. Um, but this is good. These are you know these are legitimate questions that people are asking us, uh, and we feel that. Without coming up with topics, uh, you know, of our own, um, this makes it so relevant when people ask us questions, because we get to hear, you know, our listeners, we get to hear and readers, you know, for the blog post, we get to hear what, what problems are actually dealing with. And I think that's really valuable because now we have a chance to uh, sit down, kind of discuss them, uh, give us, uh, you know, give everybody our opinion. So that one person really is helping a lot of people because now we're, you know, we're giving our, our answer to that very specific question to lots and lots of people. Exactly. When you write in or, um, email us with your question. Know that you're not alone. The question you have, trust me, we've heard it over and over and over again. So it's so it's really great to get it from a reader or a listener's um, perspective, and then when when we can apply it to the the masses, it, it helps everyone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So we're going to dive in this question. Uh, we're changing everybody's name uh, just to keep it, uh, you know, so there's no question about identity or anything like that. So the name that we're going to give is not the actual name of the person, but uh, nonetheless, it's just for protection, anything that looks like it would be something that, um, you know, just we would just change, you know, even if it's, you know, um, descriptions about themselves or like jobs or where they live, we always change all that, you know, that privacy information just to, you know, just to keep the question valid, but without um, feeling like anybody has to be pinpointed where they are. Yeah, right. Uh, so uh, go ahead, uh, Dr. Davidson, why don't you go ahead and read the question? Okay. So this question is from Joy. Uh, She's, and this is actually a question we get all the time over, you know, over the years, you know, over the span here is, um, is the Vivelle patch good to use? My gyno prescribed it for hot flashes, vaginal burning, vaginal itching, and mood issues during ovulation before my period. I haven't tried it yet though. So there's a couple aspects to this. One, of course, we want to talk about the Vivelle estrogen patch or the estradiol patch, and then also a little bit about Joy and um, why she's using it and 
when she's using it. Yeah, right. So there's not a lot of information here, right? So and when you just read that question without having a little bit more background like you and I do, uh, th- this is kind of a loaded question in some respects. And I didn't catch it the first time until you just read it. Uh, oh, you uh, didn't tell. Yeah, so I, I didn't. Oh, you, I, you didn't. Oh. Yeah, I, I, I read the first part mm-hmm. of it and I kind of just, I didn't see the other part. Uh, and what, what I'm referring to is the fact that it says during ovulation before my period. Oh, but see, I get that question a lot over the years because we're looking, because we do a lot of, um, we do bioidentical hormone replacement. That's what we love. You know, everybody talks about HRT, hormone replacement therapy, and that's a big um, umbrella for all hormones. But we do the, in particular, the bioidentical, and we specifically will use more compounding pharmacy so we can make something tailored to that individual for their particular symptoms. So it's interesting with this is, you know, of a bell patch, which we're going to get into in a minute, is, a you know, more conventional. You know, you're going to get that from your big box pharmacy. There's, you know, four different doses and that's all you have. And women and will tell their, you know, their practitioner, their gynecologist, Hey, listen, I feel great this time of my cycle, but I don't feel great this time of my cycle. What do I do? So they're trying to really sort of take a huge, um, you know, I wouldn't even say like a one size fits all and try to morph that into something more, um, you know, tailored for that individual. So of course, you know, during ovulation to her period, that could be from day 14 to day 28 is they're tr- the doctor's trying to give her a little extra estrogen thinking she's needing it, but it's really kind of like taking a shotgun approach and trying to, you know, shoot a little dart on the wall or a little, you know, a little pinprick on the wall. Yeah, using an elephant gun to shoot the fly off the <laughs> yes, wall, right? Yes. <laughs> you know, something that is one uh, that you actually just kind of you know, kind of made me realize recently because I had another patient that was dealing with the Vivel patch on how strong, right? You look at the dosage. What are the, I know there's a 0.5, 0.05. There's four different doses. The lowest is 0.025. Mm-hmm. Then there's 0.0375. 0.075. So there's a lot of zeros there, but know that, you know, the 0.025 is of course less strength compared to the 0.075. Yeah, right. The confusing part is that those dosages seem really, really low. When you try to think about it compared to the type of hormone replacement we do, like we might do an estradiol or a biest that has a combination of estriol and estradiol or estriol E3 and estradiol E2. It it just, so when a doctor takes somebody on a Vivel patch, that's on a 0.075 milligrams of estradiol for that patch. Which is the highest one. That's the highest one. You have to apply it twice a week. So, um, so usually there's, you know, you get eight of them a month and then you apply one twice a week when they say, listen, this is really strong or I don't want to be on this Vivel patch anymore. I want to do that bioidentical things and stuff I've heard about. When you look at when the practitioner that's not, um, super familiar or maybe experienced with the, you know, with the compounding biased or um, the creams of the estradiol is they'll look at a Vivel patch at 0.075 that they're applying this patch twice a week. And they'll try to use that same exact dose for a compounded cream. They'll say, okay, we want the estradiol to be 0.075 or a bias to be you know, 0.5 or even 1.0, they think, oh, that could be too high. That's going to be higher than the bell patch when you're trying to say, you know, the dosages between these milligrams. And I hope this is coming across okay, or it makes sense. But um, in some ways, it's not supposed to make sense. Because when you're trying to transition or somewhat switch someone from a bell patch to an actual bioidentical compounded hormone cream with estriol and estradiol in it, you can't. 
I mean, you can, but there's no equation to equivalent for that transition or that change over. Yeah, there's there's no chart that the pharmacy can give you or no conversion uh, that you can do that that is equivalent from a vival patch to bioidentical hormones. That does not exist. Uh, so I know that you've done a very good job over the years of, uh, if for nothing more, just observing, but being able to kind of figure out based on the woman's symptoms, based on how old she is, based on who she is, based on where she lives, based on the stress in her life, based on her sleep, based on her, uh, her goals, all those things. And, and, and what and, dose of the Vivelle patch she's on, if, if it's straight estradiol and how long she's been on it. Because that's why sometimes bioidentical hormone replacement or the compounded creams get a really bad rap because they'll say, oh, well, I was on this patch and then I got on that bias cream and I felt terrible. And that was really because they always end up underdosing the cream. Yeah, right. Yeah. So really when you're going from the Vivelle patch to a to bioidentical hormones, you have to really increase that dose and dosing a dosing to a dosing level that most doctors, to be honest, are probably not comfortable with, um, which is why there we always see people asking us these questions. So I'm on, you know, a uh, half a milligram. I'm on 1.25 milligrams. I'm on, you know, one and a half milligrams. Uh, and if you're going from the conventional things to the bioidenticals, that is not nearly enough. So of course they're going to feel worse because it's like they're pulling a rug up from underneath them going from, let's say, like you said earlier, 0.075 L uh, to two milligrams, even two milligrams of uh, a, a biased, that's not nearly enough and they're going to feel worse. They're going to feel terrible going going that way. And, and to be honest, I find that the bioidentical hormone compounded creams like a bias that has the estriol and the estradiol in it is much more safe and gentle than it of a vel, but I can understand a conventional practitioner not really familiar thinking, oh my gosh, they have her on seven milligrams of a biased 80-20 ratio, or even sometimes I have to go even change the ratio to 50-50. So there's a little stronger estradiol to really bridge that transition from a vel patch over. They might think, oh, that seems like a lot, but really, truly, when I see a woman on a vel patch, that's, that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of estradiol for, for me, just in my experience in watching, you know, how the breast tissue morphology changes, um, you know, the weight, their symptoms, it, you know, I, I feel like, or if they have a uterus or they don't, you know, I feel like that can be pretty much a pretty strong, heavy hitter to be on the Vavel that if they are going to be on it, that we definitely want to monitor the symptoms, try to keep it as low as possible. Sometimes I even have them do it once a week or they cut the patch in half and do that, twi- you know, th- do that one patch twice a week when we're trying to transition or change or just to really keep that level low. So I know I'm kind of, di- you know, digressing away from joy, but it, um, we kind of, we wanted to talk about the Vivelle patch in particular, but also kind of like Dr. Mackey was saying, you know, the elephant gun trying to shoot a fly on the wall is I understand her practitioner probably really wants to help Joy feel better from, you know, day 14 to day 28, but doesn't really have a lot of resources available to understand how to, how to bridge that or how to give her a good treatment. Cause if you, if Joy is going to put on that Vivelle patch for half of the month, Number one, it's going to downregulate all our estra, estradiol receptors so that from day one to day 14, she's going to feel kind of crummy. And for two, she probably isn't going to feel great on that patch. She'll probably sleep better and definitely the hot flashes would be better, but she'd have a lot of symptoms of estrogen dominance because you really don't need to give a woman 
of a vel patch, which is pretty strong, if they're still cycling. Yeah, <clears throat> pretty much that was the part that I missed the first time when I just glanced over this. Um, but you're right. I mean, the fact that she's still menstruating, uh, you know, ovulating and period one, we don't know how old she is. More than likely, I would say if she's having hot flashes, uh, vaginal burning and itching, mood, some mood issues, she's probably in perimenopause. Yeah, like, like me in the mid 40s, you yeah, know, mid-40s. probably in her mid 40s, right. maybe early. But even then, a doctor is pretty hesitant about giving a woman in her 40s estrogen. Yeah, right. No, but she's uh, right off the bat, she's really not a candidate for estrogen at all. Um, maybe a little bit. Like that's where the bioidenticals would really kind of work well here because they are not as strong as the Vivel patch. The Vivel patch, even the lowest dose, is probably just not going to make her feel very good. And like you said, too, from ovulation to the end of her period, that's more of a progesterone window. That's not an estrogen window. It's going <laughs> to cause some irregular bleeding and it's just going to make her feel worse. I was going to and- say that right there, that extra estrogen would probably make her cycle. As soon as she put it on on day 14, she'd probably get a period on day 20, you know, day 19, day 20, as soon as, and it probably would even over time thicken the inside of her uterus or the endometrial lining. So her periods become, I imagine they're probably not super great if she's having these symptoms already, but they'll get worse. Her periods will get heavier and longer and more painful. So what she needs just as a, you know, just as a side kind of a, you know, flip the script a little bit. So what would we do differently in this case? And for this particular situation, the Vivel patch, we don't really like it anyways. We've had a few patients use it over the years. Some do okay with it on the lower dosing, not so much on the higher dosing. Uh, you know, so we will, you know, tend to switch them away because we can control those prescriptions. Now they might need more, right? They might need a higher dose of the bioidenticals, but that's better in some respects because we're able to control the symptoms more. Exactly. The only time I really find that the Vivelle might, um, seems like it's a, a match is when a woman's in definitely postmenopausal. those ovaries have decided not to, you know, they're not working. And really women that have had a hysterectomy, because you know, you think about if they've had a hysterectomy, their uterus, you don't have a uterus, so they can kind of tolerate a little bit more estrogen. Because when you think about somebody on a pretty strong form of estrogen, and they have a uterus, estrogen loves to grow things. So it'll grow that endometrial lining in the uterus. And that's where you see women in their postmenopausals in their 50s and early 60s having, you know, um, like they feel like their periods are come back, but no, it's only because that lining is inappropriately thick, which is a risk factor. So when you see a woman with a uterus taking a Vivelle patch for menopause, they always have to take a progesterone counterpart if they have a uterus. So that just on a side note is just one thing that I see. If you're going to do the patch, it does seem to fit better with women if they don't have a uterus. Right, right. And we even recommend that a woman still takes the progesterone even if they don't have a uterus, oh, um, yes, which is yeah. very common that gynecologists say, well, you don't have a uterus anymore. You don't need any progesterone, but we don't agree. We think that they, we, uh, one of our rules that we never break is you never give a woman unopposed estrogen. You always give them both. Uh, so in this case, uh, we're assuming, we're making a big assumption here because Joy didn't tell us how old she is, but like you said, she's probably 45, you know, probably somewhere between 45 to her late 40s, maybe 40 even to her, 50, 40 yeah, to 47. Her, well, she's she mentions the word ovulation and before her period. Um, if she's in that window, more than likely she's not ovulating unless she's a lot younger than that. Uh, you know, but maybe a lot of women do believe if they're menstruating that they're ovulating, and you can menstruate without ovulating. You can't ovulate without menstruating, but you can you can menstruate without ovulating. Exactly. Right. So Ho- hopefully that wasn't too confusing <laughs> no, what I just no, said. That there. was, that was perfect. Yeah. That was perfect. So I would say with joy, since it sounds like she's having regular periods and, um, sounds like 
you know, probably 28 days, maybe 27, maybe 29 is we would test her blood work. We do, we check her, you know, we check her hormones. We check her hormones probably post what would be ovulation. So anywhere right around, you know, day 17 to day 22, if she's a perfect 28 day cycle. So you can kind of get that window to find out, um, well, is she ovulating? Does she have progesterone? What is her, are her estrogen levels actually low the second half of her cycle? So that would probably be the first thing. And then from there, pairing those symptoms up with what the the objective hormones, you know, data shows us. Then like Dr. Mackey said, is we might do some progesterone and then we might eat, may even do a, maybe a very, very low dose of a biased, maybe not even do the estradiol at all. Just do a little estriol or just a very tiny, tiny dose of some, some estradiol with some um, estriol. That's where we, you know, depending on Joy's age and her symptoms and then her blood work and her, of course, health and family history, that's where we would kind of move forward with that. Yeah. And I was thinking that we would do some progesterone uh, and maybe like an, uh, an estriol cream for the, you know, for the vaginal burning and itching. Uh, very simple. Uh, you know, you think a gynecologist would, you know, kind of know that. Well, you can um, see they're trying. You know, well, they really yeah. are, you know, trying with, with what they a, have with to a, work with. With a limited tool belt. Mm-hmm. You know, they don't really have a lot of, uh, you know, you know uh, certainly the hot flashes that makes you think estrogen. Uh, but the fact that she's having a period every month, or at least what we understand is every month, uh, you know, probably somewhat regularly, that tells you that her estrogen threshold uh, is still relatively pretty good because she's still having a period every month. And a little shameless plug for your book that is going to be coming out fairly soon. <laughs> Uh, which is the perimenopause plan. I'm start blushing. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, this is kind of a classic, you know, they're, they're still menstruating, but having hot flashes. For women, that's a really tough place to be because they're not necessarily estrogen candidates like we've been discussing. You know, Vivel, the Vivel patch for her is not really the best option. One, it's too strong. And two, it's not really a lack of estrogen because of the regular period. It's more of a lack of progesterone and also looking at stress, you know, stress level. If she's got a lot going on with, you know, COVID, COVID and everything, you know, who knows? Everybody's stress is all over the place. Uh, for some, um, that could make some of those symptoms a lot worse. And then the estrel, like we talked about, that would just help uh, on a local level help uh, help some of the uh, you know the uh, you know the uh, the vaginal issues. No, thank you. Like I said, you're making me blush because you mentioned the the book that we have coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, it's going to be. Uh, uh, th- I'm not exactly sure when this episode is going to be posted, but just pay attention. Uh, we will certainly let you know when the book is ready to go. It's going to be on Amazon. Or go ahead and send us your email so we can put you on our list. Right? What what email would they? Uh, yeah. So uh, for the podcast, we just if you have any questions or if you're curious or you want to be, just send us an email to help at progressurehealth.com. Uh, help at progressurehealth.com. Uh, you know that way. Uh, you know if you have any questions you want to ask us, uh, you know maybe you'll you know we can read it on the podcast. Uh, any questions about the book? Any questions about anything? Which that's the, the book best, is going to be about perimenopause. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it is, you know that kind of that in between stage. You're because not- of all the questions that we get collectively, that. Uh, women in their 40s, and women in their 40s, for the most part, maybe late 30s, early 50s, but women in their 40s are the majority of the people that we treat as patients and the majority of uh, um, you know people that we get questions from on the podcast. Because um, I think that is, which is the reason why you wrote the book for one, you're kind of in that you know demographic yourself, uh, but two, we think it's really the most underserved demographic of all the different uh, you know, female related, you know, for the, the age range, but also the female related problems, uh, menopause. Okay. Menopause. A lot of people understand menopause, but perimenopause is a little bit more, uh, a little bit more specific and not quite as well addressed out there in the, 
know, in yeah. the conventional space. And, and what we do, especially like you said, we get a, a lot of our patients are in their 40s, but we, you know, I've had patients <laughs> I've been treating for years. So that's the best time is to catch them so we can work, balance those hormones and then make menopause a really easy, gentle transition. So that's, you know, the, the ideal time. So um, but definitely, like I said, what did you say? Help at help at progressyourhealth.com. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's the email that we like to use for the podcast. It uh, you know um, that way we know that if you do send us an email that it's come either from the blog or from the from the podcast, uh, and that way it's uh, you know we can't get back to everybody. You know we get too, too many of them, but you know we do try to screen them as much as we can, and uh, and it's a great way for um, to be able to communicate. And to be able to answer questions like this. So, uh, so for Joy, uh, 5L patch is probably not the best option. Uh, you know, think about, and now when you go back to your gynecologist, she's going to probably want to give you Prometrium, uh, you know, which we don't necessarily, uh, you know, that's a whole nother. We had some other podcasts in the past that talk about Prometrium. So go back and look at our archive about Prometrium. You know, we don't, you know, we would recommend for sure bioidentical progesterone sustained release. Start with, uh, you know, you know, uh, um, you know, um, you know, uh, usually uh, fifty to one hundred milligrams, something like that. Um, that would be more appropriate for a situation like this, uh, uh, you know, as opposed to the five L patch. So, um, besides plugging the book, do you have anything else to say, Doctor Davidson? No, this was a great question, and I appreciate Joy sending this in because it kind of was able to cover a few things where we could talk a little bit about what Vivel patch is, and you know, the different doses and what we would deem it appropriate for, but then also too, for, you know, a menstruating female that might be having, you know, they're still menstruating, but they're still having symptoms of what they would consider menopause. Is it truly that? So, um, so it was a good question. I think it applies to a lot of people that are listening because we get questions like this all the time. Yeah. And we're thinking about, uh, you know, we haven't really asked for much, um, from any of the listeners, um, but we are asking for, uh, for, you know, for you, you know, if you do like the podcast to give us a review on whatever platform it is that you listen to, whether it's iTunes, uh, um, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, uh, we are going to be, um, I think Amazon Music now has podcasts. We're going to be putting our podcast on there as well. Uh, so if you liked our podcast, um, please give us a review. Uh, we're going to start a promotion at some time soon where we're going to pick out random reviews that we like and we're going to read them on the podcast. And we haven't decided like what we're going to offer for that, you know, for that uh, promotion. Uh, something, you know, some kind of incentive, which in some ways is kind of a, you know, maybe a, a little bit, uh, you know, <laughs> incongruent. You're giving a promotion to get a review, but at the same time, that's how, you know, that's how our audience grows. The more people that find us because of those positive reviews, uh, you know, so we're going to offer something in return for that. We just haven't quite figured out what that is yet. Uh, we're open to suggestions. If you have any, send us an email. Uh, but uh, other than that, uh, if you have nothing else to add, I think this is a, a good one. Uh, it's nice to be back in the uh, into the swing of things. Uh, so until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.